Welcome to Freedom Highway. It is Tuesday, March 29th at 9 o'clock here in Kingston, New York. I'm Nick Pankin. Glad to be with you. I want to start this show off recognizing one of the greats of this kind of music that we focus on on Freedom Highway. Played a song of his on uh, the episode before last, the uh, four-year anniversary episode celebrating the luminaries of Freedom Highway. Uh, and you can listen to a full hour-long episode about, uh, about Gil Scott Heron, uh, celebrating his commitment to voicing his profound political perspectives through his quite uh, influential music on an episode from March 31st, 2019, you can find it in the Freedom Highway archive at RadioKingston.org. Gil Scott Heron, born April 1st, 1949. This coming Friday being the anniversary of his birth. So uh, I want to set the tone for the rest of this hour by listening to a song of his. A song called Work for Peace. In a studio recording of this song originally appeared on his... Uh, 1994 album called Spirits, but uh, we'll hear kind of a more stripped-down live performance of this song um, from 2001, at least according to YouTube, it's from 2001. And uh, afterwards, we'll, uh, we'll explore the context of um, some of the comments that he makes at the top of the song regarding Dwight Eisenhower, who was... U.S. President from 1953 to 1961 and his connection to the military and the monetary. But first, here is Gil Scott Heron performing his song, Work for Peace. Back when Eisenhower was the president. Golf courses is where most of his time was spent. So I never paid a lot of attention to what the president said because in general I believed that the general was politically dead. We also always seemed to know when muscles were about to be flexed. Always mumbling something, stumbling to something about a military industrial complex. to keep their shores safe just to keep the jobs going and the arms making workplace and then they pretend they've been pricked by some sort of political reflex paying dues to the military industrial complex the military and the monetary they get together whenever they think it's necessary they have turned our brothers and sisters into mercenaries parts of the planet to a cemetery peace 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 ain't gonna be easy Heard you looking for peace Peace ain't gonna be easy Got folks working for war Start a little trouble, make a whole lot of money with a war Start a little trouble, make a whole lot of problems, have a war Turn this planet in the east and west with a war 
Freedom Without Peace. Kill Scott Heron with his song Work for Peace live in 2001. And I like the different possibilities in the title of that song, Work for Peace. 
on the one hand, emphasizing the positive nature of peace, being a condition that we must actively be creating, not simply being the absence of war, as he says. It takes work. Peace takes work. In the title, simultaneously also pointing to uh, connections between the uh, modern American economy and war. As things currently stand, war creates jobs. War means work. And this is something, as Gil Scott Heron points out at the beginning of that song, that was, uh, that was publicly pointed out in a warning, perhaps the first uh, real uh, large-scale public warning, um, was, which was issued uh, by outgoing President Dwight Eisenhower in 1961 as he was making way for incoming President John F. Kennedy. His televised farewell address... Um, was largely focused on warning the American public about the emergence of this dangerous dynamic that he saw emerging uh, from his vantage point inside as commander of the Allied forces in Europe during World War II, then uh, being the first commander of NATO as the war came to a close, and then ultimately as a two-term Republican president during the opening stages of the Cold War between the U.S. and Soviet empires. Let's go now and listen to a, uh, a short segment of that speech from uh, President Eisenhower in 1961 that Gil Scott Heron refers to uh, at the beginning of his song, Work for Peace. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Disarmament with mutual honor and confidence is a continuing imperative. Together we must learn how to compose differences, not with arms, but with intellect and decent purpose. The farewell address from outgoing President Dwight Eisenhower in 1961, uh, warning about the conjuncture of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry, a, uh, a, a, a combination that he called the military-industrial complex 
certainly those uh, those two um, elements are very much with us. Uh, in fact, probably now more so than ever. And uh, and that warning being something that uh, Gil Scott Heron refers to at the beginning of his track that we started out with there, Work for Peace. And the studio recording of that song uh, goes on to contain the lyrics, Americans no longer fight to keep their shores safe, just to keep the jobs going in the arms-making workplace. Then they pretend to be gripped by some sort of political reflex, but all they're doing is paying dues to the military-industrial complex. And wise words of wisdom there, as always, from Gil Scott Heron, and uh, delivered with, uh, with strong rhythm. And uh, let's hear another one from him now. Let's hear from his uh, 1978 record called Secrets. This is, uh, this is another one about the economy. Uh, this is called Madison Avenue. Till your whole life is overdue Cause if it's so kind 
new fuel to fire up the monsters of free enterprise. That's Gil Scott Heron with Brian Jackson on their 1978 record, Secrets. That's the song called Madison Avenue. And um, recognizing Gil Scott, the anniversary of uh, the birth of Gil Scott Heron coming up this Friday. He was born April 1st, 1949. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want to hear a full hour-long episode uh, exploring the uh, the life and work of Gil Scott Heron, um, you can listen to uh, to that uh, dating back to March 31st, 2019, in the Freedom Highway Archive at RadioKingston.org. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue on the subject of war with uh, with the rest of our playlist for the rest of the hour here on Freedom Highway. Um, we will take a quick break and then come back and then go go way back, way back uh, over a hundred years to the beginning of World War One. So stay tuned. You're listening to Freedom Highway. I'm Nick Pankin. Glad to be with you. And let's go back now to the time of World War, World War One, over a hundred years ago, way back in ancient history, prior to direct U.S. involvement in that war in Europe. We'll, uh, we'll listen to um, several versions of a song from that time that dates back to that time. Um, this song is called The Very First Commercially Successful Anti-War Song. Um, so it's a real historical document in that regard. Uh, the song called I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier. Though I think, uh, I think I'd say that there's many factors contributing to that achievement um, beyond uh, just the power of the song itself. Um, it also, I think, may signify uh, generally the commercialization of political music. Um, for instance, the, the songwriter, the, well, the lyricist, uh, a Tin Pan Alley lyricist named Alfred Bryant, uh, who wrote this song in 1915, and two years later in 1917, he also wrote a uh, quite a popular pro-war song called Joan of Arc, They're Calling You. Uh, but anyhow, um, this song, and perhaps uh, not just the, the very first commercially successful anti-war song, also uh, perhaps the best-selling song in general uh, in 1915. Um, again, the lyrics by Alfred Bryant, and the music was written by Al Piandatosi. Uh, these two men, though the song is composed by two men, it is uh, meant to be delivered from the perspective of a woman who is resisting war, and uh, more immediately, the possibility of her son's direct involvement in it. And uh, another factor here, it's important to note that the song comes out in the midst of the women's suffrage movement. So, in other words, there's, uh, there's a great deal of resistance to the uh, idea that uh, a woman might be involved in any way in, uh, in any kind of political matters. Uh, and part of the power of this song is that it illustrates a woman uh, in the domestic realm displaying her qualifications to speak on political issues, uh, as it's her son who would actually be fighting the war. So um, let's listen now to a popular recording of this song from 1915, uh, sung by Morton Harvey. Here is, I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier. Thank you. 
must get on his shoulder to shoot the mother, mother, darling boy. Let nations arbitrate their future trouble. It's time to lay the sword and gun away. There'd be no war today if mothers all would say, I didn't raise my boy to be a Harvey in 1915 singing the song I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier, the best-selling song uh, of 1915 and the first commercially successful anti-war song. And on the website uh, Voices and Visions, that's v and vreader.org, uh, regarding the song, they write, songs are often excellent portals into a particular historical moment because of the way they weave together the various ideas, movements, and forces that were active at that time. I Didn't Raise My Boy is an excellent example. The song's anti-war message depends, to a great extent, on an understanding of two major social movements of the early 20th century United States, the International Arbitration Movement and the Suffragist Movement. International Arbitration, explicitly mentioned in the song's lyrics, was the idea that disputes between nations should be arbitrated by professional jurists in courts with supranational jurisdiction. Boosters of this idea hoped that just as civil laws brought stability and security to domestic society, international law and arbitration would do the same for the relations between states. Although their legalist approach to international relations was overtaken by a political approach, i.e. the League of Nations and ultimately the United Nations, institutions such as the Permanent Court of Arbitration, the International Court of Justice, and the International Criminal Court are direct, direct offspring of these ideas. The song's references to the suffragist movement are more subtle but no less clear. In their struggle to expand the right to vote to all women, women could vote in some states in 1915. Suffragists used many strategies. One of them 
was to argue for the moral superiority of women, largely because their presence in the domestic sphere insulated them from corrupting influences. This argument was somewhat contentious, but I didn't raise my boy clearly makes use of it. The mother of the song clearly defines herself by her relationship to her son, who the song describes as all she cared to call her own. Based on the authority that she derives from such a selfless calling as motherhood, she demands that society recognize that her son belongs to her and not be sent to war. The mother of I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier is undoubtedly a strong woman who, despite occupying the domestic sphere, is not afraid to venture beyond to advocate for her causes. Other suffragettes and their supporters would have immediately recognized her boldness and her moral authority. Well, we've got a couple more uh, versions of I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier I want to listen to, but uh, let's actually now jump to, um, to a, a song from uh, the, uh, the suffrage movement. Um, this is a, a recording uh, by Elizabeth Knight, and it appears on a record that was released by Folkways in 1958. And uh, this song is called Let Us... Uh, I'll speak our minds, and uh, it is credited to J.G. Mater and William Bro. Uh, and I re- read somewhere that it was written in the uh, in the mid uh, mid eighteen hundreds. Um, but uh, I don't have much more information about this song. But nonetheless, just to anchor ourselves a little bit in uh, this historical uh, moment, let's listen to Elizabeth Knight singing. Let us all speak our minds. Mentalist is fit that wives should submit to their husbands submissively, weakly. Though whatever they say, their wives should obey unquestioning, stupidly, meekly. Our husbands would make us their own dictum take without ever a wherefore or why for it. But I don't and I can't, and I won't and I shan't. No, I will speak my mind if I die for it. For we know it's all fudge to say man's the best judge of what should be and shouldn't and so on. That woman should bow nor attempt to say how she considers that matter should go on. I never yet gave up myself thus a slave, however my husband might try for it. For I can't and I won't and I shan't and I don't, but I will speak my mind if I die for it. And, oh, ladies, I hope, who with husbands do cope with the rights of the sex will not trifle. We all, if we choose, our tongues but to use, can all opposition soon stifle. Let man, if he will, then bid us be still and silent, a price he'll pay high for it. For we won't and we can't, and we don't and we shan't. Let us all speak our minds if we die for it. Soldiers to the war have gone Who may never return again Ten million mothers' hearts must break For the ones who died in vain Head bowed down in sorrow in her lonely years 
I heard her mother murmur through her tears I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier I brought him up to be my pride and joy Who dares to place a musket on his shoulder To shoot some other mother's darling boy Let nations arbitrate their future troubles It's time to lay the sword and gun away There'd be no war today If mothers would all say I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier Cheer a mother's heart As she looks on her blighted home What victory can bring back to her All she cared to call her own Let each mother answer in the year to be Remember that my boy belongs to me I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier I brought him up to be my pride and joy Who dares to place a musket on his shoulder To shoot some other mother's darling boy Let nations arbitrate their future troubles It's time to lay the sword and gun away There'd be no war today If mothers would all say I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier There'd be no war today If mothers would all say I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier That is uh, John Kirkpatrick singing I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier that appears on his 2015 record Tunes from the Trenches and I include it just because uh, it has some more space and we can really uh, absorb all of the lyrics to that uh, historical song that dates back to 1915, a uh, hundred years before that uh, that recording came out that we just heard. Um, before that, we heard Elizabeth Knight singing Let Us All Speak Our Minds. That's on a collection called Songs of the Suffragettes that was released in 1958, and that one was, uh, uh, well, dates back to the mid-19th century, composed by J.G. Mader and uh, William Bro. Now, I want to continue with uh, uh, various uh, versions of I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier. We'll listen now to a recording by a, uh, a choir called Rana. Uh, it's the Jewish Arab Women's Choir um, that's based in Jaffa, uh, which is, a, 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 I guess, a part of Tel Aviv. Um, it's, a, it's a choir of 20 Muslim, Jewish, and Christian women 
who uh, who are veterans of a choir formerly known as Shirana, and the choir was based at the Yaffa Arab Jewish Community Center from 2008 to 2015. And um, this is, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a new version of the song. Um, and I think it's a great example of how, um, you know, music, how a song can, um, can, can be relevant in all different kinds of um, contexts. And uh, the voices that are bringing the song to life definitely bring new meaning, uh, as well as the context in which it's performed. Obviously, the... Um, the, the the violence the the war the um, the yeah the war uh, really between um, um, you know soldiers of the uh, of the of the army uh, of Israel as well as the people who were uh, fighting on the Palestinian side against them uh, certainly uh, a war of, of great uh, significance going on uh, for a really long time certainly affecting um, you know, mothers on uh, on all sides of the of the violence and the conflict, and um, as the song says, there would be no war today if mothers all would say, "I didn't raise my uh, boy to be a soldier." Um, also, you know, definitely brings uh, to light the the question of um, you know uh, being a soldier in a in an army of a nation state. Um, um, versus taking up arms if you're uh, not part of a um, of a nationally organized and uh, funded, you know, official army. Uh, certainly, lots of complexities in this in this conflict, which uh, this this episode doesn't aim to get to the bottom of. Um, I just thought it was interesting to hear this recording that is sung by uh, mothers who, um, you know, have some form of uh, affiliation uh, to the different sides that, um, that are, um, you know, typically defined as, as being on either side of, the, of this conflict. So without further ado, let's listen to the Rana Choir singing um, their version uh, in, I, I believe, uh, Hebrew as well as uh, Arabic. I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. 
That's Rana Choir in 2018, I believe, with their version of I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier, a song rooted in the conflict of World War I and still relevant in uh, the conflict there uh, between Israel and Palestine a hundred years later. Um, and uh, clearly songs can be used in many ways to convey all kinds of different perspectives um, uh, depending on how they're delivered uh, and who they're delivered by and, and when they're delivered. Um, another song that expressed an anti-war point of view uh, at the beginning stages of World War I um, that was popular at the time of its release is one that was written by Irving Berlin in 1914 called Stay Down Here Where You Belong. Uh, the later he would disavow the message of the song. Uh, this one kind of uh, depicting uh, the the devil talking to his son, saying, stay down here in hell. The people up there on earth are uh, even more uh, vicious and uh, and crazy than, than you would believe. Um, you know, even worse than us uh, down here, I guess. Uh, and uh, we'll listen now to a version that was recorded in the midst of the Vietnam War. Um, this, is, uh, this is a recording by Tiny Tim that appears on his 1968 record called God Bless Tiny Tim. Here is Stay Down Here Where You Belong. Down 
That's Tiny Tim with the Irving Berlin song, Stay Down Here Where You Belong. That recording appears on his 1968 God, uh, record, God Bless Tiny Tim, uh, though the song was written in 1914 by Irving uh, Berlin. Also apparently often uh, performed uh, by Groucho Marx. Um, now speaking of... Um, you know, using using a song to convey all different kinds of perspectives. I want to listen now to a few recordings by a group called um, the uh, the Eli Radish Band. Um, they put out a record in 1969 on Columbia Records, which uh, has the title of "I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier." Uh, and that record, I believe, comprised of all kinds of war and patriotic songs from earlier in history. Unfortunately, I cannot find the record. Um, only a few songs that are uh, littered about on YouTube. Uh, though they sound really great, I'd really love to hear this record. Um, many of the songs that they play are uh, originally composed and released as uh, patriotic pro-war songs. Um, the record being released, you know, the year after that Tiny Tim record. Um, certainly, um, well, I would say definitely trying to convey an anti-war perspective with these recordings. Uh, the, the title of the record, certainly a anti-war song originally, um, but we will hear now a, a song that was definitely a pro-war song, a contemporary song. Oh, excuse me, not a contemporary song of, uh, of the World War I era. This one actually dates to World War II. It was, um, it was released in 1942 originally, um, um, uh, composed by Frank Losser, and uh, it's called Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, although uh, some sarcasm here in this version from the Eli Radish Band in 1969. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition and we'll all stay free. A bullet was his fate. Down went the gunner, and then the gunner's mate. Up jumped the sky pilot, gave the boys a look. And man, the gun himself, as he laid aside the book, shouting, Praise the Lord, and pass the ammunition. Son of a gun of a gunner was he Shouting praise the Lord We're on a mighty mission All aboard We're not a going mission Praise the Lord And pass the ammunition And we'll all stay
Eli Radish Band. In 1969, their record called I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier, though I can't find a recording of that song I'd love to find would fit perfectly on this episode. Uh, we just heard uh, When Johnny Comes Marching Home. That was originally written by Louis or Louis Lambert, a.k.a. Patrick Gilmore, in 1863 during the Civil War. We heard a song called Over There, written by George M. Cohen in 1917, the beginning of of World War One, and we started their little set out with Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition, a song dating back to World War II in 1942, written by Frank Losser. That's all the time on Freedom Highway uh, tonight. Thank you for listening, uh, and um, I'll be back with you again next week. <laughs>